The Radio Fanboy Podcast with Bevo. And this week on the Radio Fanboy Podcast, we're talking to Brisbane Triple M's Josh Olick. G'day, Josh. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for inviting me on. I'm very excited. Yes, yes. I've been a fan of yours for a very long time, um, ever since uh, coming to Brisbane and, and taking over the airways on, on Triple M. You're loving it, mate? You've been there for a while now, haven't you? Yeah, three years. It really kind of crept up because of COVID, I think. Like... I, I, I started here being like, this is going to be the, the biggest thing ever. I'm going to go and see a thousand concerts and, and get as much Foo Fighters in my ears as humanly possible. And then, you know, COVID happened and I learned a whole heap of skills I didn't think I was going to need. So It's amazing the, um, the people that uh, Triple M attracts. I mean... When, when I hear you, I, I imagine this tradie that's, um, you know, a really blokey bloke who gets on the tools <laughs> and, you know, has his um, ice break and, and goes to work with an amazing looking esky. But um, you're quite the opposite. You're actually a, what you'd class as a gaming nerd, would you say? Uh, big, big dork on a fork, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Look, I, I, I appreciate the fact that I sound blokey and it's definitely helped me, but... Um, yeah, no, I'm a. I love video games. I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. I. I didn't think a, that was still a thing. Dungeons and ma- Dragons, mate. You there is a whole culture on the internet that you you need to learn about because it is it is like one of the biggest things in the world right now, actually. Oh right. And so, what's your preferred um, gaming platform then? Are you an Xbox or <gasps> a PC gamer? Uh, I got a PS Five. I got a PC with a a nice dirty big setup, but. I don't know. For, for anybody listening to radio right now, all of this is a big tax write-off for you, as long as you talk about it a little bit. So, like, I'm kind of, I'm non-specific. I kind of get what I want. Oh, that is very cool. Now, your introduction to radio, father like son, your um, dad, mm. Eddie, is currently working at uh, SEN in, in Melbourne. And, and you kind of um, got introduced to radio through him, didn't you? I like. I fully grew up in radio stations. Um, Dad was the panel operator for Father Jared Dowling on the Greater Three UZ in Melbourne, um, and he, uh, amongst that, was also like one of the engineers at Three UZ. So, as a young kid, like four to nine, maybe. Uh, every time we couldn't get a babysitter, I was in the radio station hanging out watching Nickelodeon on on one of the boardroom tellies or uh, sitting in the studio pretending to make my own radio shows. So That would have been very cool. I mean, it, basically, you're his mini-me, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you, and you say that, but that's literally what it called me growing up as well. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to think back, back, back to those times as well because I fully took it for granted. It was just a... Like the, I remember the engineering room being like this massive mess of, of patch cables and all this other stuff. Just all this technology you would never see in a radio station anymore. Yeah. Like the old like reel-to-reels with the big magnet machine that you'd put it through and you'd just uh, the wipe bulk- the reel-to-reels free. and it's like the bulk eraser, I remember that. Yes, days. yes. And the, um, the weird like blood stains where the reel-to-reel would be cut. Ow. It wasn't like it was a, it was, it was a different time. Oh, definitely. And now it's all computers and uh, lots of lights and cameras and action. Um, mm-hmm. As you can imagine in your brand new studio there at um, Kelvin Grove. Yeah. Study the art studios. Very cool. Um, so like we said, um, you got your beginnings at SEN with your dad, Eddie. Um, he's still in radio, isn't he? Like after yeah. all those years, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So he, he, like I said, was at 3Z for a really long time. Then was like, all right, like everybody does, I think at some point goes, maybe I'll try something else and see if that's for me. Did property management for 12 months and was like, uh-uh, <laughs> turned around and got back. And yeah, my story is like, I kind of was always a big music fan. Like grew up, um, 
doing, um, don't know why I'm admitting this, but uh, I had like a YouTube channel where I would like put up like covers and I was a part of bands oh, and like yeah. really, really liked music. Uh, was fully self-taught and all this, all this other stuff. And kind of got to the end of year 12 and was like, all right. So because I'm self-taught, I don't really have any of those music skills and I don't know how to get into the music industry. And I didn't really do very well with my ATAR score. So what do I do? And I kind of sat on the couch and played Call of Duty Black Ops for six months until dad was like, hey, we've got a casual Sunday morning breakfast panel op job starting where you got to push a button three times over three hours. Would you like to give it a go? And then as soon as I was in there, it was like, the rest was history. I was like, I am hooked on this thing. I always had like a little interest for radio, but I don't know, like a lot of people, I guess, particularly nowadays with like social media stars and all of that, you don't, I don't know, when, when you're starting out, sometimes you just don't believe that you could really make a full go of it. Well, if, you, if your heart and soul's in something and you just go for it, don't you? don't really think of where it could take you, whatever. You just go for it and you give it a crack. And um... Yeah, it was like a lack of confidence, but I was like, ah, oh, I got nothing else to do, but I really like this thing. And then I kind of, that, that belief slowly kept growing in like day after day, shift after shift, different different bit of work what I was doing. So, so you see in one sports station and you went to another um, sport network, Croc Media, um, you're doing a bit of um, panelling and audio engineering there. What was the audio engineering side of things? Was that like live broadcasts? Or yeah, production? yeah. So I did a little bit of stuff where as like a kind of um, fill-in tech for those guys. Um, I It was like through Croc Media but through a different company and basically um, – uh, got to tech a couple of games up at Metricon Stadium just after that got built. Um, but the, the Croc Media was really kind of like connected to to SEN. During that time, they were like looking after all of their like overnights programming and stuff like that. And on top of that, like there was a lot of same pace people in the SEN building as there was in the Croc Media building. So like you get a lot of those crossover and be like, oh, do you have somebody we can use for this? And they would share somebody and that would be kind of like vice versa as well. So like it was, I had the skills to like, panel operate football games. I was like the crunch time panel op and like did all the grand finals and all of that kind of stuff. And so they were like, oh, we can uh, respect Josh to kind of do this thing for us as well. And so I did it for them for yeah a little while. You went over to um, MTR, Melbourne Talk Radio, not long <laughs> after that. Um, how was that different to like working for like a sports station? It was really funny because, so I'm not sure if you know the full story about MTR, but... It was, they again, another opportunity I got because I was in the SEN building. MTR bought the 3MP at that period of time. It was an interesting choice. Basically, we had all of these these people from a different radio network that was completely the opposite to SEN. You had all these jocks, all of these, like, just the boys over at SEN and all these people trying to make, like, respectable, um, smart radio at MTR, and we just clashed the entire time. And unfortunately, the story of MTR goes, it rated point twos and and didn't really garner any interest. And over a very long period, not a very long period of time, but a shortish period, period of time, talent started falling off and like the, the people they had access to started looking for other jobs because they kind of saw the writing was on the wall. So like I, again, would fill in for those kind of panel operator shifts but you know what? The vast majority of them were getting paid $50 an hour to push a button once an hour. Wow. And it was the easiest job of my entire life. Incredible. You found yourself back at um, SEN not long after that for quite some time. But you, you tried a few things by the sounds of it. You did a mm. bit of social media, assistant producer. You did the panel op as well. Yeah, I think it was just like, I, that was at that stage where I was like, what can I learn? What can I take on and and help 
make me more um, interesting to potential employers. And so, like, at that time, social media was kind of only just taking off. And honestly, the company didn't really look at it as a particularly important thing, which is crazy to think of now because from the outlook, SEN looks like it is almost purely based off of those online metrics that they sell. But I kind of saw it at the time as a, this is really important. This is a great way to connect with our audience. And SEN was in a place where everybody was kind of doing the same things. The shows were doing the same things. Ratings weren't vastly increasing. There was a little bit of stress around the show and the talent on the show. And I was just like, what can I do to make this more interesting? Um, And so I floated the idea of doing like socials and then did that for a little bit. And then quickly, I think six months after that kind of grew some kind of following, did a couple of pretty viral posts for in which in 2011, 2012 was a hard thing to do much more hard than it was to do now. I feel. Um, And then I kind of eventually ended up getting a gig moving into uh, on air and, and doing stuff at 2XL after that. So it was a really good opportunity to get a job that they didn't know was quite as important as it was. When you went to um, 2XL, had it moved to Jindabyne then or was it still in Sharp Street in Cooma? Uh, no, no, no. That was, that my was very in... first radio gig too. Oh, mate, there are so many people that had a gig at 2XL. It's crazy. <laughs> no, the, um, the old Sharp Street studios were falling apart when I was there. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of empty rooms. There was like a half-together uh, panel in one of the walls. It, like it looks like it's in a, in a snow cabin, even though... There was barely any snow over in Kuma. But we were um, pretty lucky in Jindabai and the offices were beautiful. There was this big uh, glass window that wrapped around the whole building. You got this gorgeous view of the lake. Um, they hadn't quite upgraded the studios at that point, so we were still using very old... There was like this selector keyboard that oh, they had man. for like... And it was just like these big blue buttons and you had to push this button and this button to get a voice track going and... You kind of got into the swing of it after a couple of things. They gave you the opportunity to, to you know, have a look at, as a young fella, what radio kind of was made like back in the day. So uh, I remember also the the big panel they had in the, in the production room that was just six massive knobs, and I wasn't quite sure which one did what, but they were all fun to turn, so. Oh, wow. Sounds like uh, good times. Um, you ended up in Wollongong um, in October 2014 doing uh, what you do well, announcing, but also mm. aging producer. Is this something new for you? Uh, so I actually, my before I got into like radio, radio, my first job at 2XL, there were these, it was about, six to 12 months where I was doing like four days a week, um, starting in the city, going at like 4.30 in the, uh, in the a.m. to do a breakfast show, working through till 12 at Sin, then from 2 till 6.30 doing um, afternoons and drive paneling at SEN, and then from 7.30 till 11 at night was doing um, studying sound and audio production at RMIT because they just started this night's course. So a lot of busy work during that time, but I actually started doing my audio engineering stuff um, because I was interested in music to begin with, actually, um, during night. So I learned how to use Pro Tools and uh, the gorgeous Neve desk that they had there at RMIT and some of these incredible Neumann microphones that, like, 
are worth tens of thousands of dollars. So always had a, a soft spot for production and, and imaging, but it kind of, you know, it, you kind of have to eventually make a decision with content, whereas, like, you don't really get to be an imaging producer and an announcer at the same time. Mm. So, um, But it was a great opportunity in Wollongong, and it really kind of honed my skills and um, gave me a real good understanding of like little rules you should be kind of taking into your audio production on a day-to-day and how your shift should sound and like ways to get it as tight as possible sounding. So, Yeah, it's really interesting um, being able to, you know, step into production if you've been on air and and, and learning uh, another skill for your, um, your tool belt and then appreciating what those producers do and the tight schedules and turnarounds that they need to work to. <laughs> I found it also made me think of radio in a different way as well yeah, because, exactly. like, you gotta you got to do 30 seconds for a promo and you got to put all these assets in and you need to get this message across and you need it to be as interesting as humanly possible. And when you're in your earlier days of radio, you're a bit looser, you're letting more words go through than you probably should. Um and so looking at imaging and being like, you have to tighten this up, you have to tighten this up. Every time this plays, this must sound good kind of made you go, oh, that's how you should really approach doing a shift every single day. Every single time it needs to be as good and as interesting because if somebody tunes in and hears you, you stuff up some words, which had happened plenty of times in my career as well, um, it gets a little bit, you know, it's, it's honestly not good enough and you're not going to make it. So You, you ended up uh, back in Victoria after working at Wave at um, K-Rock at Geelong. This would have mm. been uh, a pretty good experience for you because you seem to do uh, quite a few things there. You, you did the workday thing, you did uh, drive um, and you're the ops manager. Was this mm-hmm. your first introduction to being an ops manager because you're currently doing that role now, eh? Yeah, yeah. So it was just um, I kind of went in doing just workday and uh, basically occasionally assistant music directing. So I would schedule the weekends, um, which wasn't super involved. And over those three years, we had different program directors come through. We had different facilities. We changed the programs that we were using. Um, and... Uh, the ops really started when James Speed, the content director, came across from SEA um, and was basically like, all right, here's your knowledge gaps, which is honestly the first time a content director had done that for me. He's been like, this is what you need to know to get into Metro and this is what you need to be good at and just kind of laid it all out on paper for me and just made sure I did it and was a really good reference for me for me going forward. But it was it was ops, it was workday, it was drive. I also hosted Made around the country for like two years and got some other amazing opportunities. I was like the, um, I hosted a national competition to send people to see Lady Gaga over in Los Angeles, which was played on all of the grant stations and like got to be a part of so many things with the Geelong Cats as well. Like getting to know some of those guys just on a personal level was incredible. And like the studios in Geelong, like the location was just beautiful on the waterfront um honestly like such a great community to be a part of with working in grants and stuff um it looks like you got the opportunity to do a podcast as well which has since um stopped but you did it for quite some time Mm. um called shut up i'm talking what's this about (laughs) is that a saying or something that was around no it was no, it's just literally me and my friend, like me and my best friend, Sam Blacker, who's now gone on to do many successful things himself. We're just both looking for an opportunity to get into a show somehow. We just wanted to make content. And when we were in Jindabyne, uh, we were throwing around a couple of podcast ideas. 
one that didn't really get off the ground. And then we're like, what if we just pretend it's like a show? What if we just bring a couple of things every week and just have a have a yarn and uh, talk about things that are that are interesting to us? And I was literally that's what it was. It was talking about nerdy, geeky stuff that we liked, maybe the most recent Marvel Netflix series at the time, talking about radio, talking about our personal relationships. We used a lot of the opportunities. The podcast is a way to network within the industry as well, like getting to know people like Dan Hill, um, Brad Wood, we got to be a little bit closer with, Ryan John, Christian Hull, like all these really amazing content creators that we were able to kind of just throw ourselves in the mix because we were pretending we were as good as them. <laughs> so um, it was just like this really fun opportunity to just, you know, have a play without all the rules of radio. Um, and, you know, as somebody who's consumed a lot of like online media, a lot of YouTube, a lot of Twitches, as a uh, self-proclaimed dork on a fork earlier, it was a good opportunity for me to look into other like uh, into online media specifically and be like, why is this succeeding so much in this point? And how can we translate that to tra- tra- traditional media? Because there are just so many opportunities where online, I, I personally find that traditional media and online media can kind of pinch ideas from each other. And they literally do on a day-to-day basis at the moment. So Good opportunity there. And it sounded like um, you had a chance to hone your skills as a, a co-host and work in a yeah. duo. As well, so that's that's really cool. It was super fun. It was from uh, K Rock though in Geelong that uh, you got the call up and you, you're doing what you're doing now. You're the workday announcer and operations manager at um, Triple M in Brisbane, which you're well known for. And I've got to confess though, um, between you and Matteo, I get a little bit confused as to who's on the air sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. Does, has anyone told you that before? <laughs> no. People say I sound like Dino from Nova 100, oh, but right. not Mattio. <laughs> to be fair, though, Mattio and I have like a, we've done a lot of work together over the last 12 months and yeah. have a lot of like similar things. So I maybe I listen to him a lot and he listens to me a lot. And then there's a bit of a that's where the crossover ah, happens. Ah, there we go. The truth is out. <laughs> yeah. No. Nah, oh man. But honestly, I've loved every every opportunity I've gotten since gotten getting to this place. It's yeah. been incredible. I literally, I'm, from the day I was in bed with a migraine, and Rex Morris called me to be like, "Hey, we want you to do operations and and work day." I remember just jumping out of the bed, awesome, mostly naked, oh, <laughs> being like, "Yeah." <laughs> Um, and yeah, from, from that day, literally it was like four weeks later, um, first day up straight on air and, and opportunity after opportunity with the great and mighty network triple M. So, yeah, and you've worked with some pretty amazing, um, mm. content directors too. Like you said, Rex Morris, one of the greatest in the biz, um, Scott Mims yep. as well. And now, yeah. wow, Jamie Angel. Like yeah. Jamie Angel, which everyone... We don't want to tell him he's that good. We don't want to tell him that's good. <laughs> so the thing is, like, every day I kind of go in and I'm like, this bloke's awesome. He knows exactly what you're doing, what he's doing. Yeah. But also he's a rap scally. <laughs> what does that mean? He's just a bit of a cheeky bastard. We don't want him to let it go to his head. We, ha- we ran this competition recently called the Plugger Cup, yeah. which was in Triple yes. M Breakfast, yes, and it was a... Um, uh, basically the richest open toe foot race on planet earth was a thousand dollars prize. Thanks to our great client, CNL tools. And, uh, basically, uh, it was just do an obstacle course and a set of thongs, bit of backwards running, bit of smashing ice and putting into an esky, a heap of, heap of different stuff. And Jamie came up with the idea of that. And trust me, he's let us know many, many times. <laughs> 
But honestly, like he, uh, uh, from his like his anchoring a breakfast to just like being able to kind of pick his brains yeah. on workday stuff every single day, yeah, it's it's an honor. And yeah. if you know, if you told me like. 12, 12 years ago that I would be in this position, getting to do the things I'm doing, I would have laughed at you, honestly. The one promotion that really stood out for me listening to Triple M this year was Triple M's Bang Gang. Um, yeah. If you change those letters around, it's quite an interesting uh, idea. It's almost like it was on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> did you have a few people ring up and say, what the hell did I just hear? No, every single person loved it except for one person. Oh, and right. we, honestly, we've had a couple of, because the most recent one we had was uh, Triple M's Oztober. We had a garage session of yeah, the Triffid here I'd in Brisbane. I'd love to have gone to that. It looked Mate, amazing, it was- that Lineup. First time getting to see Noise Works on stage for decades, yeah. like Aussie James Rain from Aussie Crawl and yeah. um, Screaming Jess was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Um, but we created a character out of that called Becky the Door Bitch. Yeah, it was just basically one of our. Um, promo legends Jess Nichols okay. who recorded a whole heap of different lines from us just being this like the only way to get in is to get through her and I have never had so many people be so excited about a character on a radio station before <laughs> like she was get there was, the line was around the corner asking for people to take photos with Becky the door bitch oh, so and she again dressed up in character on the night yeah day. she put Becky a big Becky sticker on her shirt oh, tapping the, the 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 note board and people just Absolutely frothed it. And yeah, it, look, look, there's obviously some negative connotations with making fun of like, you know, it's it's sexist, a little bit sexist, but I think in in a situation like this, um, you know, Jess owned it and that's what kind of made it good. Every every female caller was like, this is a this is a great thing. It did, you know, it got a little bit irksome from at the start, I guess, but once you kind of realize that was all a big joke. It was great. And we, again, only got one complaint about it. So I think it's just about making, that's the thing that we've really kind of started nailing in the last 12 years, uh, 12 months, sorry, is making the content that people are going to talk about at work and making the content that people are going to talk. Because again, another example is Marto's been on Triple M for 21 years, the host of Triple M Breakfast with Marto and Margo. And so we're throwing him a 21st at the moment. And because he's been on radio for 21 years, everybody's got a story. So you just open up oh, phone I've got a lines. I've story about Marto too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to share it? Or? Oh, how he, how he came down to um, Triple M Sydney and um, spent the night on the couch. So I offered him uh, a spare bed at my place and he was like, no, no, I'm all right. I'll sit on the couch <laughs> in the Triple M studio. I was like, fair enough, mate. No worries. Uh, well, he, he's, he's a legend and like... Is Julie getting a whole heap of the respect he deserves at the moment as well. So, Well, Josh, it sounds like you're loving life doing your, your dream gig, mate. It's uh, Triple M in Brisbane, Workday Announcer and Operations. What do you reckon could be next? What What's your goal? What's your five-year plan, mate? What's your five-year well, plan? I really, I really like content and I really like coming up with ideas. I like it from a radio station perspective, but it doesn't have to be. From a radio station perspective, a lot of the focus on SEA is going to listen to re- uh, recently and stuff. And I think um, whilst there's always going to be a place for radio, uh, you know, I think um, for, the way we're moving forward, content is uh, getting more like, the, the, the you know, the content on demand is becoming more and more the way that people consume content, like podcasts like this. Um, I had like looked, you know, Tossed around the idea of maybe being a part of a show at some point. Like I've I've anchored breakfast. I've uh, um, hosted filling in for Liam Flanagan, who's a bloody legend, on Triple M's Rush Hour for a couple of weeks recently as well, which was really really fun. 
Um, so maybe a show, but like real, I love content. I love coming up with ideas. So maybe content directing down the line as well. There you go. Let's put it out there, bosses that are listening to this podcast <laughs> right now. You got yourself a new CD. They love CDs in SEA, that's for sure. <laughs> I did come up with a content idea recently. I want to do a radio contest, but it's just every contest, and we call it Triple M's Game Changer, and you oh. play Beat the Bomb. You play the uh, the secret sound. You play Find the Next Words in the Lyrics, all of those classics, but you just you spin a wheel every time and you've got that a different prize connected to it. Sounds awesome. Yeah, and a lot of playability as you're going at home, so hire me content directors and group content directors. See, this is what happens when you're a gaming nerd. You come up with um, amazing games uh, <laughs> to play on the radio, and that's exactly what you've done. Josh Olek, thank you so much for joining us on the Radio Fanboy Podcast. Thanks for having me. The Radio Fanboy Podcast with Bevo. Follow now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Lee Bevington Media, voiceovers and on-air talent for radio, television and podcasts.